0: Good morning, DCC. We're Brian and Sandra Smith. Today we're reading 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 to 10. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his six hundred men set out, and they came to the brook Besor. But two hundred of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with four hundred men. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Such a joy to be here this morning. I'll tell you, my heart's just overflowing. I wouldn't have missed this for the world. And to hear those testimonies. And uh, God bless these young men and women who are following in the journey of Jesus Christ. Wow, so good to be here. Not only for them, but for the air conditioning. And uh, to see you, to see this... uh, full like it should be oh and wait till next week so exciting so uh, yes uh, by the way it's Adam's birthday today he's back behind so he uh, but just to let you know he's 32 today they've done this to me in times past so I feel it's only right well I have to cut right to the chase this morning it's not five minutes but it might be ten or twelve Uh, Here's the context. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now this is important uh, in order to come to grips with this chapter. That David and his men have been hanging out in a little town called Ziglag. And it's over in Philistine country. Why was David in Philistine country? Well, he was afraid of King Saul of Israel. Now David has been invited by... Uh, the Philistine king Achish to join the Philistines in war against the Israelites and David feigned that that would be fine but that didn't happen because the Philistine army general said we don't trust him we'll get out there on the battlefield and he'll turn against us that was actually very much a relief because the last thing David wanted to do was fight against his own nation. So King Achish sent David home with 600 crack troops back to Ziglag where they had settled down. And when the troops came over the last hill returning home and they could see their little town of Ziglag and the smell of smoke still hanging in the air, they knew something was dreadfully wrong. The Amalekites had raided Ziglag and carried off their children... And their wives, when the cat was away, the other mice began to play. And the writer of 1 Samuel says that when they saw the ruins, and it dawned on them that their families were taken, they broke into desperate cries of lament and pain. They wept until they could weep no more. And as is often the case, the grief shifts to anger. Against the leader. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. Oh, the life of a leader. And what is David going to do? I'm so grateful for verse six, if you want to underline it, underscore it. But David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Can you identify? Did you need that verse maybe even this week? I kind of did. Isn't it awesome that we can find strength in our own hearts for whatever life brings at us? And when we lose everything, should that ever happen in our lives, we still have the Lord, right? There are times when we can't sleep. We're up at 3 in the morning and we're with God to find strength to go on. You've probably been there. David got a word from the Lord that he should go after the Amalekites and that he would be able to retrieve their wives and children. With this word from God, David and his men hit the road again, exhausted though they were, because it was a three-day journey back from the, the battlefield to Ziglag and now they've got to go again. And when they got to a landmark called Brook Bezor, they stopped. There was exhaustion in the camp. 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. They were done. They couldn't go another step. So David said, that's fine. You guard the equipment and 400 of us will go on. And you can skip ahead to verse 24 to see that the 200 had the role of keeping the baggage, the extra equipment, which would make it easier for the 400 to travel more lightly and swiftly. Well, long story short, they found the Amalekites... They found them spread out across the field, and they were oblivious to the world. They were partying big time. They were celebrating good, their good fortune of all this booty. And you can imagine a million animals bellowing and drunk guys all over the place. It was wild, but they were extremely vulnerable. And David and his men pounced, and the Amalekites were caught completely by surprise. Well, they got every one of their family members back and they got all the animals back plus a whole lot more plunder that had come from the other villages. And they got back to the Brook Bezor and there they rejoined the 200 men who had been left behind because of exhaustion. What an amazing sight to these 200 to see their, their families returning, to see this long line of people and animals and all the wives and children. It must have been unbelievable for them as they rushed out to embrace their loved ones weeping. But it was a tough moment also. Why? Because they hadn't been on the front lines with their, with their comrades. It's like promising someone that you'll help them move and show up for pizza at the end. They had stayed back at Brook Bezorn. Now it felt kind of crummy like I didn't do enough I wasn't there for the battle. And David knew exactly what they were processing. But it didn't take long for some of the 400 to express their displeasure. And they decided to make the rules. It says, But some evil troublemakers among David's men said, They didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder that we recovered. Give them their wives and their children and tell them to take a hike. But you have to see how David set the tone before verse 22 this is a perceptive leader who is thinking ahead he is anticipating and he is aware watch then David returned to the brook Bezor and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him they went out to meet David and his men and David greeted them joyfully he saluted them he included them He didn't have any sense that they didn't pull their weight. No minimal greeting, but full out, good to see you guys, we're back, I'm glad you're okay. Nonverbal, complete acceptance. Now, do you see how that might fit into your life? People are watching you to see how you might come alongside of those who may feel on the outs. And there's always someone on the outs, often in our own families. Could be students at school. Often it is. Someone's not feeling included. Could be someone you know in the Indigenous community. That has been the hurt of the Indigenous community for hundreds of years. And now more unmarked graves. Could it be somebody at work? Somebody never quite makes it in the eyes of fellow employees. And you as a leader, as an individual, set the tone. Could be someone new to our country. This new family from Thailand that is set to arrive in a couple of weeks. How do they feel? How will they feel? I think the way Refugee Bridge is working, that they are going to feel really welcome. And that's the goal. Don't you think everyone was watching the leader? What are you going to do with these 200 who didn't go, who stayed back and guarded the stuff? But David said, no, my brothers, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He's kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders that attacked us. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and we share alike those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. Oh, that's the battle cry through the years. And wouldn't that make a great title to a sermon? Those who guard the equipment. Think what you could do with that. It really is what the gospel is all about. We are welcome to the good things that come our way. It is not reserved for just a few. The bounty of the good news is for all of us. And what stories these eight men and women shared with us. If you've ever entertained the thought, I could never have this in my life. I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. I'm not worthy. Christ our Savior is available for all. Regardless of our background, regardless of our behavior, regardless of our sin, He belongs to you. Stand at the door and knock. My friend is waiting at the door. He is. That was such a good word. He belongs to you. You can embrace him and receive him and experience his journey. You don't need to fear like, I'm not like that. I don't have that. I can't have that. I didn't do anything. I don't bring anything to the table. And you're right. And none of us do. We receive it all by grace. I talked to my friend a few days ago and uh, he's from another faith and he was lamenting to me that he wasn't bringing enough to the table in faith, in his faith and that in, in his understanding you need to pile things on top of one another so that God's going to be happy with you and the more you bring the more pleasure God has and I gently, ever so gently told him about grace and he looked like He looked at me like, I don't get what you're saying. He doesn't get it yet. And David was teaching this. Everything that has just happened to them was such a gift. We label it grace. Their possessions, which were incredible, were grace. They were abundant. And talk about dividing the bounty. How can you do it fairly when no one is worthy of any of it? So David says, who will listen when you talk like this? This man's getting ready to be the king. We share and we share alike those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. How do you run a country? What philosophy will you take? Will you care for those who are on the outs, the marginalized? And friends, you know, one day when this great earthly drama has brought down the curtain on the last scene... And we all stand before the Lord thinking we are all empty handed. These unsung, unsung, unknown followers of Christ will say to myself, I have nothing. I bring nothing to the Lord. I didn't do much of anything. I don't know if I led anybody to Christ. And yet what a sight that will be as Jesus begins to reveal their heart and their ministry and and their love. And they will be flabbergasted with joy as they see how important they were to the battle. And those who thought they had nothing to bring to the great table will be amazed how they are going to share equally in the inheritance. And among those will be widows and widowers, will be shut-ins and retired people who gave sacrificially even in those retirement years because they had it in their hearts to honor God and to support the work of Jesus around the world. And they never quit to the finish line. In our first church in the Ottawa Valley, there was a quiet woman who felt like she didn't have anything to offer. And we asked her to prepare the communion. And she so loved it she so loved it it was her opportunity to serve and i'm sure she prayed over the bread and over the cup as she prepared it for the celebration of communion once a month don't you think god saw that act of servant kindness don't you think god heard those prayers we share and we share alike those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment you have a high calling right where you are if you're in business you have a high calling if you're a lawyer you have a high calling if you're in the medical field Rest in your calling. If you're a teacher or a salesperson or a mechanic or an accountant or a food service worker or whoever, you don't have to strive toward a calling or some mission field to please God, to stack up anything. If the Spirit is stirring in your heart to take you somewhere or to call you into some specifics, you will sense it. He will make your heart clear in front of Him and be at rest But be in rest where you're at right now. And here we are today. A big team. TCC. Uh, Again, so good to see everybody coming back. We're so excited we get to come back next week. And that cannot come too soon. And we heed well these words from David. We share and we share alike those who go to battle, and those who guard the equipment. We're all significant to the heart of God. So take joy in your privilege to serve wherever it may be. And we remember the gospel is for everyone. And we are grateful for these that have said, I've received the gospel. They've been baptized. And what a wonderful understanding of baptism this morning on the screen. That is a prompter to all of us to say, yes, Jesus, I want to put on the Christian jersey. I want to walk with you. So we rejoice in the generosity of God. That we are included in his love and in his grace. And we respond to that by saying yes to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for grace. And thank you for your generosity. Thank you that you love those who go to battle and you love those who guard the equipment. You are a God who loves every one of us and you're that friend who knocks on the door who's calling all of us to say, come, open the door, open the door. So thank you for calling all of us today. In Jesus' name, amen.